Today, uh, Stephen is going to take a look at market cycles and uh, we'll do that with Dr. Graham Shaw from Orbis Investment Advisory. Uh, We're also going to plumb the market, have our weekly market updates, see what's going on with different companies around the market and, of course, we'll start off by seeing where currencies and commodities set up. Thursday Finance, Stephen Pritchard, welcome along for another week of Thursday Finance. And what are we up to at this stage? Is the US election making much of an impact on our markets and uh, I mean, commodities? It, it, the US election is kind of creating a bit of uncertainty. I mean, every time the market thinks that Donald Trump's going to win, it seems to go up. And when it thinks that... Um, Biden is going to win, uh, it goes down. So uh, this morning it was a bit, there's this market map and there's red means going up and green's going down and there was a lot of black, which means basically it's staying still. So, uh, so, so it, when we don't know yet. We don't it's know. It's all speculation um, until... We don't know. We... Um, you know, it could be weeks before we know the way things are going on. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, it's not... I've always got this bit of a philosophy. There's no use worrying about things you can't change. So, uh, what a very good no idea. Point, no point worrying about that. What's going to happen? So, What's tell me happen? how gold is going. Uh, so, gold moment. was up three dollars sixty six an ounce to two thousand six hundred fifty seven dollars, and the crude oil price was up um, one dollar seventy seven barrel to fifty seven dollars and thirty eight cents. Mm-hmm. Um, the Australian dollar was up across the board, which is uh, one of the reasons the Reserve Bank cut interest rates to try and bring the Australian dollar down but uh, this stage it was up um, two almost two percent on the week to 71.8 cents would that actually US? have an immediate effect though oh, sure. if the, yeah, the interest rates few, drop pretty quickly yeah. oh, i suppose people don't want to invest if it's yeah. not yeah okay um the great british pound um was up we're up 1.66 percent against that to 55 pence and uh the euro we were up are to uh, 1.5% to 61.23 euro cents. So the Australian dollar continued to be stronger around the world. Um, the all markets. The, the mm-hmm. equity markets were uh, up on the week. By, um, the Australian market was up 1.5% to mm-hmm. 6,265. Uh, the S&P um, 500 was up 4% to 3,443. And the... Uh, the um, UK FTSE index was up 5.4% to 5,883. So quite strong around the world in equity markets. Mm-hmm. Um, locally, um, the um, stocks, stocks mm-hmm. uh, BHP was up 27 cents to $34.28. Um, CBA was up um, 27 cents also to $68.41. Uh, NIB was steady at $4.25. And Telstra was also surprisingly up um, four cents to two dollars seventy-three. Um, the fuel prices: Newcastle a dollar twenty-five point nine, which was down about three cents a litre. Sydney a dollar eight point seven, which was down almost ten cents a litre. And uh, the diesel price in Newcastle was a dollar nineteen, and in Sydney a dollar fourteen. Both of which are pretty much steady compared to last week. This is Thursday Finance on Two and URFM. Stephen Pritchard coming up with the goods on the stories behind the stock market prices. 
things that actually influence them. I suppose that's fair to say, isn't it, Steve? Things that actually influence them and some of the influence that occurred. Some um, of those. So we're going to start off with the big... Well, well the, the, other big, big, the other big story of the week, the two big stories of the week uh, are the um, US election, which we briefly touched on um, until that's resolved. Um, you know, we're just, not going to know what's we're happening. We're not going to know. It's just going to kind of fluctuate from day to day. And, of course, the other big... Um, surprise or not surprise or whatever you want to call it, uh, the Reserve Bank again cut interest rates um, this time to 0.1% on the overnight cash rate. So, that um, must be the lowest we've had for a very, uh, very long the lowest time. it's ever been. Ever. ever okay. Been. So, so what's their aim in doing that? Their uh, well, aim is what, to what boost the What the Reserve Bank is trying to do or? is to lower the Australian dollar. So lower the dollar. Lower the okay. dollar, um, make Australia less attractive for uh, money coming in over, from overseas yeah. um, and therefore um, will also mean that the Australian dollar will fall, which will make our exports cheaper. So what, the, what they're trying to do is boost the economy by stimulating the export market. Um, side effects of this, of course, um, borrowing rates should fall marginally. Um, I noticed one of the major banks was offering our business loans at 2.95% mm-hmm. um, for up to a million dollars. Um, last week, so that might even fall a bit more this week, which I thought 2.95% was pretty good in any event. Um, And then, of course, the other other side of the coin is people relying on um, fixed interest and um, term deposits. Um, I think you're going to be very lucky to get a term deposit now that's yielding yielding 1%. I mean, compare that to, you know, fives and sixes we're getting, um, you know, Yes. A few years ago. So that would indicate that the banks don't think that the interest rate's going up any time very soon. Uh, well, the Reserve Bank basically says it's not. Okay. The Reserve Bank is acting to keep um, simultaneously lowering the cash rate, which is basically the, the at-call variable rate. Um, mm-hmm. They're also stepping into the market and, and, and buying bonds. Um, issued by the banks and other creditworthy financial institutions. Um, and, and the three-year bond rate is now down round to the similar to the, the, the cash rate. So the Reserve Bank's basically said that they don't expect um, rates to rise till um, inflation rises and the way to have inflation to rise is wages growth and there's no sign of wages growth. So I, I think you're going to look at this low interest environment for um, quite some time yet to come. Mm-hmm. And of course the problem with this is people with, on, as we mentioned, touch on people on fixed income, yes. um, fixed all of that interest of that. and uh, things and, and, and also, um, we'll get on to the other story in a moment, um, you know, people thought the share market was a, um, particularly the big four banks, was a safe haven, mm-hmm. and um, that hasn't turned out to be the case. People have forgotten that mm-hmm. dividends can be cut and it's no use having a... Um, Five percent dividend yield if you lose half your capital because the share price falls. So, so um, I suppose that's why we're going to be talking about market cycles a little bit later yes, on in the yes, program. Yes. But um, start off with one of the banks. One NAB. of the banks, uh, NAB's uh, yeah. results came out early this morning. Yep. Um, so its profit was down forty six point seven percent to two point five um, billion dollars. So there's no surprise there, um, really, that their profit would fall. Um, and the other 
other big announcement is they're going to cut their um, dividend to sixty cents per share compared to a dollar sixty six um, in the previous year. So, so what that's saying is um, people who rushed out of their term deposits um, and bought bought NAB shares to get the dividends are now finding out the dividends being cut by two thirds, and they've probably lost um, a fair amount of their capital as well. Now they're so, not the only bank, though, are no, they? Then we're going to get on to the other big one, which okay. came out earlier in the week. I think. <laughs> yes. Monday. Yeah. Um, Westpac's net profit was down 62 cents, uh, 68, sorry, 62%. Um, part of that, of course, was this big $1.2 billion fine, which, which, which is, um, which is uh, probably non-reoccurring, hopefully. Um, and then, of course, their dividend, once again, the dividend's been cut from 80, 80 cents in the last half, um, the final dividend last year, to 31 cents, the final dividend this year. So, so and, and Westpac has come out and also said there needs to make a big uh, investment in um, IT, which is no real surprise because what what happened was when Westpac took over the um, St George Bank and one of the big economies you can make in banks while you take them over, one takes over the other is to rationalise the IT. Um, it was never done. The then managing director decided not to do it. So to this day, um, almost a decade later, Westpac and St George still use independent IT systems. You can't go into the St George branch and take some money out of your Westpac account. It's it's just madness. Mm. Um, and, and so now they're going to have to spend far more money than they would have had to a decade ago to try and rationalise that IT um, mm. spaghetti they've got there. Mm. Um, so anyhow, so the big banks, you can expect that um, you're not going to see big increases in dividends anytime soon. Again, for that reason. To NURFM's Thursday Finance, Stephen Pritchard, we're looking at some of the companies and what's happening in the stock market at the moment with our market update. And Woolies is finding that things are changing in the way they sort of deliver their food. Yeah, so, so uh, I, I don't think it's uh, – I think that's part of it. I mean, I think, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Coles came out and said they, you know, expect record Christmas. Um, Woolworths, um, sales of, of you know, increasing dramatically, um, and they're, they're looking for more space as online delivery sales now uh, – online deliveries are now 8% of the total sales. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that, and one of that reasons could be – I mean, if you go down to um, – Oh, the war set at Market Town of a Saturday morning. The place is absolutely packed, and I think possibly people, are, you know, don't want to be there and are deciding to resolve to online sales. Now, I think these these retailers, the Woolies, the Coles, and the Metcash stores. Um, when you think about it, you know, even if you go to the restaurant now and the restaurant appears busy, usually they've only got half the number of tables that they used to have in there. So I think a lot more people are, are, are eating at home than they than 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 mm. they did before, and that's causing increased sales at Woolworths and 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 Coles and mm. Cash IGA and 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 just some and of that spilling. Mm. And Aldi, well, Aldi doesn't do home delivery. No, so they're the, out of that market. Not in the UK, but I'm sure Aldi sales are going up, mm. and I'm sure um, part of the natural increase in sales is some of it's going to home delivery for people who used to eat out more and can't be bothered going down to the, the supermarket and mingling and with the crowds. <laughs> yes. I mean, and you just got to queue up. Yeah. They've got all the cashiers open and mm. people are still queuing up. So, yes. Yes. yeah, people just don't want to do that. So that's all changing. And that's all uh, changing. Coca-Cola. Co- uh, Coca-Cola signed a share implementation deed. So it looks like they're moving 
quickly to um, lock out any other potential bidders, which would have been hard for another potential bidder anyhow. So basically it looks like this merge is going to gonna occur, or takeover rather, takeover offers going to occur um, of Coca-Cola Amatol <coughs> um, by Coca-Cola European Partners. And something looking the other way, um, Domino's is looking at expanding into Europe. Yes. Um, once again, this is this is a bit of continuation of the worst thing. Domino's believes that the uh, people in Europe aren't aren't eating out as much as they used to, and, and particularly in the UK. So at the moment, it's got mm. a lockdown. Um, so what they want to do is expand their home delivery pizza business into Europe. Does um, that include the UK as well? I, I, I'm not sure. But, right, but, it could. But well. I'm sure <laughs> other parts of Europe are probably locked down as well. I mean, well, they are. All the yeah. all that coronavirus news seems to have been. Um, downplay because the US election's taken over that spot at the moment, but I'm sure in two weeks we'll we'll be back to hearing all that. And um, uh, uh, something that came out of the casino inquiry yesterday. Oh, yes. yes, yes. Well, this was, this appears to have been no surprise to anyone except Helen Coon and the chairman. Um, the the uh, the council assisting the commissioner has said that Crown's not a fit and proper person to hold a casino license in Sydney, and it should be revoked. So um, this is all interesting because Crown's new casino is scheduled to open in. Uh, yeah, just on a month in soon. Sydney, yeah. and uh, they might find they've got a casino and no license. Yeah, um, could be very so interesting. I think I think you're going to see dramatic changes in uh, yeah. in the board at Crown in the next uh, short space of time. Mm, that will be interesting, and uh, so it's another watch this space, and it's probably a sign of the times. They're a lot more uncertain generally, aren't they? Oh, I, I think you know people are kind of you know generally you know you've had a couple of scandals, and you've, you've got you've got the Crown, you've got Australia. Post, um, and there's something else mm, with another scandal <laughs> yeah, cloud hanging yeah, over Australia it. Australia Post, yeah. Crown, or someone else. Yeah, um, we'll we'll think of that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we'll people are just happens. sick of all this. Yeah, well, that's true too, and it shouldn't happen in the first place. That's, that's <laughs> right. I mean, these, the right people, these people people paid lots of dollars, like the board of Crown, are paid lots of money yes. to make sure uh, everything runs smoothly, and then yeah. you find out the person in charge of any money laundering has never read the act. On Thursday, Finance Stephen Pritchard, we're welcoming Dr Graham Shaw from Orbis Investment Advisory uh, to the program now because he's going to enlighten us about market cycles. Yeah, so um, welcome back, Graham. Thanks, Stephen. Um, so we we kind of suffer from information overload these days you know you know there's economic updates from you know all the major banks seem to send out one every day um and there's all this information coming in from market service providers and so i thought we might have a talk about um um market cycles and and you know they've been talked about market cycles 400 years or more so do these things actually exist and what evidence is there that they exist yeah, I mean, uh, economics has sort of known about these super cycles for quite some time. I think, and a lot of the earlier work is attributed to Kondratiev, who was studying how agricultural prices had moved through the centuries. And he found these 50-year cycles that showed 25 years of prices moving up and then 25 years of prices moving down. Unfortunately for him, he also lived in, in Soviet Russia and his work came to the attention of the communists. He, he disliked the idea that capitalism had cycles, preferring the idea that capitalism would eventually decline and fail. And as a result of his work, he was 
jailed for eight years and on release executed by the secret police. So I'm hoping for a slightly better outcome after your show. For you? <laughs> uh, me, so, yeah. I'm surprised they executed. I wouldn't have thought they'd execute an economist, but anyhow, <laughs> yeah, it was Russia. So what, do you know when, what year this was approximately? Um, he was in the uh, in the 1930s. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so why do you, why do these cycles matter for for investors? So I, I think the problem with long cycles is that because they go on for such a long time, we all start to forget that they're cycles that can both move up and down, and we start to sort of think of them more as a long-term trend that will, will go on forever. And, and I think this causes investors to become overexposed to the assets that have benefited from the current part of the cycle, and at the same time to underestimate the risk that these cycles might reverse and their assets might suffer. So basically they forget about the cycles because they're too long. They're too long, yeah. yeah. So um, is there any, is there any um, examples we could kind of explore of, of cycles that matter for investors? Yeah, okay. I think the most important one for the world has probably been the pattern we've seen in, in U.S. interest rates. So the problem with the U.S. is a lot, all the history prior to 1971 isn't very useful because the U.S. dollar was in one way or another linked to gold, for example, through things like the gold standard or the Bretton Woods Agreement. And because it's hard to create gold out of thin air, this period was pretty much characterized by, by no inflation on average. Uh, but after 1971, that link with gold was broken and we all entered the world of paper money. Uh, and that's been a period dominated by inflation. So from about 1971 to 1980, we've seen inflation rise pretty steeply and pretty steadily until the central bank was eventually forced to raise rates aggressively. I think long-term interest rates in the U.S. peaked out at about 16% in, in the early 1980s. And these very high rates were, were quite deflationary, so they caused inflation to start to fall. And it's probably fair to say that since then we've gotten used to um, you know, low or falling inflation. I do think, however, it would be a mistake to think this is normal and will con- continue forever. Um, you know, very high interest rates, uh, were deflationary. And, of course, we had the entry of China and, and its one billion people into the world trading system, and that was a very, a very deflationary force. I think when you look at the world now, uh, you know, we have very low interest rates. And, indeed, if you exclude the two world war periods, real interest rates at 600-year uh, lows. Um, we also have a huge pile of government debt that they might want to get rid of by allowing inflation to run. And then, of course, China and the U.S. are moving further away from cooperating on trade. Uh, and indeed, if you look at the words coming out of the central banks these days, I mean, both the U.S. central bank and our own central bank here are saying that they're willing to let inflation run quite hard before they're going to think about raising rates. So to put it very simply, I think uh, we face a very different set of circumstances today than those that have been present for much of the last 40 years. So one of the reasons I think we've we've kind of had this low inflation or this is one of my theories is that um a lot of the a lot of the household goods that that we're now buying are, are imported predominantly from china and southern asian countries um and, and the price of a toaster is less in both you know dollar terms and considerably less in real terms than it, than it, than it was you know 
15 or 20 years ago. So are we actually kind of importing deflation by, by purchasing these, these overseas products into Australia at such a low cost? I, I completely agree with you. I think that's been a massive deflationary force. But I think it's largely run its course now. Um, if you look, you know, wage price inflation in China has been running at, at, of the order of 10% for, for many, many years now. China is no longer the cheapest place in the world to make many things. Um, so places like Vietnam are quite a lot cheaper. For, for the U.S. market, Mexico is now cheaper for many goods than China. So, you know, that, that huge cost advantage that China had, um, you know, if you go back uh, 15 years, has, has largely been whittled down now through higher wages in China. Uh, and so I'm not saying it's completely gone, but it's nowhere nearly as powerful as it used to be. And Thursday finance, and we're taking a look at market cycles, Stephen Pritchard, with Graham Shaw. Yeah, so so um, if if the if we're at the end of the um, low interest rates and deflationary cycle, and and we're going to start to head into an inflationary cycle, um, what does that actually mean for Australian investors? So I think one one market that might be impacted is is the property market. If if you sort of look at long term history for for the ninety years prior to nineteen ninety, Australian house prices barely rose faster than inflation. I, I know that's hard to believe now, but actually most of history says house prices don't rise much faster than inflation. Uh, there's two hundred years of US data that would give you that same conclusion, and there's about four hundred years of data from Amsterdam that also says houses don't go, go up faster than inflation. But since 1990, that hasn't been the case. Inflation, uh, house price inflation has been high, uh, helped along by falling interest rates. And I think one of the reasons for that is, you know, when I first bought a house in 1997, the bank would lend me three times my salary. Uh, now they would lend me six times my salary so I could afford to pay twice as much for exactly the same house. And I think that's a recipe for house price increases. Um, but with mortgage rates so low and interest rates pretty much near as low as they can go um, without becoming negative, it's going to be harder and harder for, for the banks to continually increase the salary multiples they're willing to lend. And in fact, if interest rates um, uh, do eventually sort of go back to more normal levels, you could see those um, lending multiples come down and, and that would be uh, quite negative for house prices. Yeah, I mean, if they if 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 they went back to normal multiples very quickly, um, or if interest rates rise, sorry, if interest rates rise very quickly, I think there's going to be a lot of mortgage stress. I mean, you know, when I when I first bought a property, that they only lend twenty seven to thirty percent. The repayments couldn't exceed twenty seven to thirty percent of your income. Now now they're way up there more than that. So yeah. it's just a recipe for um, problems down the track if interest rates rise. It is, and. What what do you think would happen to the equity market? So I think there's been two groups of stocks that have benefited a lot from falling interest rates, particularly um, since the global financial crisis. I think it's the first one is the, the sort of stable stocks, things like Nestle or Coca-Cola, where, where people feel like, you know, that they've got a low chance of losing their money. And, of course, if bank interest rates fall, they, they get coaxed out of those and they and they go and buy something that feels a bit safe, like Coke and Nestle. Um, these stocks are looking really very expensive today, and they would respond very negatively to a rise in interest rates. And then I think the second kind of category of stocks that's benefited from low interest rates are the, 
the quality growth stocks or the things that are called fangs at the moment, these types of names, uh, Apple and Amazon type companies of this world, they've benefited from lower rates as their valuation multiples have expanded a lot. I think they could also be negatively impacted if inflation rises and interest rates eventually follow. So, so if inflation does start to rise, what sort of stocks should we start to look at then? So the more asset-heavy, um, the, the more cyclical companies, um, the things that are called value stocks uh, in today's market, uh, things like Illumina would do very well. They make um, they, they turn bauxite into aluminium. alumina, uh, which eventually gets turned into aluminium, absolutely. These kind of uh, more manufacturing um, companies uh, will probably benefit from a rise in inflation because they can allow them to put their prices up. And that would that would include the companies also that have a lot of property assets on their balance sheet, which which Ab- have, which have become unfavourable over the last short time as people have stripped them off. Yeah, that they could benefit. I mean, they, they um, they're a little bit caught between two themes because um, uh, rising mortgage rates won't won't help them, um, but. Yep but the land value will help them. So, yeah, it's a question of which is more important. And just to wrap up, because we're running out of time here, what do you expect inflation to start to rise anytime soon? Or we? No, absolutely not. We are in the midst of a recession and a pandemic. Uh, that's caused a lot of people to lose their jobs. And, and normally high unemployment is very deflationary because people are willing to discount their wages in order to secure a new job. So you have to wait until this, we get past this pandemic period. Um, but I think once that happens, um, it will be quite tempting for many governments to let inflation run so it whittles away the real value of their debt. Oh, the government and, debt, yep. Uh, absolutely. And, and you know, once inflation gets going, it does have a habit of getting out of control, which is what we saw in the 1970s. So uh, I, I guess it's also important to sort of say, I'm not saying this is definitely going to happen, that this is this is by any means certain, but I think the important thing is I think it's a bit more probable today than it has been for much of the last 20 years, and it's probably a good idea for investors to take account of that, maybe by you know, putting a little bit of gold in your portfolio when ordinarily you might not have bothered, or to lighten up on those interest rate-sensitive investments uh, and look for alternatives. Okay, thanks for that. Always interesting, Graham. And thank you very much, Graham. Graham Shaw from Albus Investment Advisory. This is Thursday Finance back next Thursday next after Thursday. the midday news. Thank you, Stephen Pritchard, thank on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.